everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're looking at book three in the Bailey Kate's Magical Bakery Mystery Series, Charms and Chocolate Chips. And I feel like in the last review I did for this one, which was something about biscotti, but which bothered in biscotti, I was a little bit down on the book, I wasn't enjoying myself very much. This one was quite different and I think I had a much more positive experience. A lot of my experience when reading a book is generally based on how I feel at the time that I read it because it's incredibly subjective but I read this one when I was quite ill and like not really paying that much attention so I feel like I found the mystery a lot more mysterious than I, I might have otherwise if I'd been trying to work it out for myself and also this book was published or at least the version that I have was published with much larger print than the previous book I feel like maybe the second book in the series was longer, so they gave it smaller print size so that the book wouldn't be, you know, massive and chunky. But the experience of reading that was that each page was very dense and it seemed to be taking me a long time to read and there was a lot of information. This just felt a lot more clearer. It felt like a lot easier to read and consequently I had a much nicer time with it. So the blurb then. Between brewing magically spiced treats at Honeybee Bakery and volunteering with a local conservation group, Katie Lightfoot has barely any time to see her firefighter boyfriend, Declan McCarthy, much less delve further into her destiny as a witch. But avoiding her fate won't be as easy as whipping up a new recipe, especially when Katie finds herself once again mixed up in murder. When a fellow volunteer for the conservation group is found dead, Katie's mystical senses tell her that there's more to this death than meets the eye. Her suspicions are confirmed when members of her coven are targeted next. Katie will have to embrace her powers quickly, where she may find herself chewed up and spit out by some serious black magic. Now, I said in the last one, one of the things that I actually liked about it was that she was attacked by dark magic and we started to see like more magical stuff creeping in. That continues into this one, although again, isn't really until the end. Um, but the mystery itself was quite good and I think it benefited from having several people who could be the person as opposed to having... Katie focused all her efforts on one person who was obviously a red herring. It was sort of spread out between two to three different suspects, which muddied the waters a little bit. Appropriately enough, as the book is set mostly in a swamp. In the second book, uh, we left Katie, I think, around Samhain, so October time. And we find out that in November, which I can't remember if it happened in that book or not, but in November, she decided to shit or get off the pot and picked Declan as her boyfriend. So Steve is is not her boyfriend, but he is still very much present and as disgusting as ever. I don't know why she continues to be attracted to him. It is one of the greatest mysteries of my life. But there we go, she's with Declan. He knows she's a witch, although we see by the end of the book that he didn't really understand what that actually meant. The mystery in the story begins very quickly. Katie turns up to work at this conservation group and finds one of her two colleagues dead. And it is then linked to this idea that they were looking for maroon bats, which are apparently very rare, and may have been in the swamp. But someone wants to buy the swamp and turn it into a golf course. And the people sort of doing this deal are a consortium of people that Steve knows, including his dad, other members of his like druid group of evil druids. Um, and they're trying to push this deal through, whereas the conservation group obviously opposes it. And that's sort of the framing for the mystery. It's got to be something to do with these bats. I've sort of learned from watching many a Midsummer murder that when they tell you it's all about one thing, it's never about that thing. It's never the cake competition. It's never about bell ringing. 
it's always about something that they're not telling you about. So it's no surprise that that's what this turns out to be. Although the identity of the killer escaped me for quite a while. I only worked it out about a chapter or so before it's actually revealed. So I enjoyed this one. It was mysterious. Some more interesting stuff comes out. At the end of the previous book, we found out that Katie is a light witch, which I keep reading as light switch and getting very confused. But essentially that she is basically called to bring justice and cannot work dark magic even if she wanted to because she's just so good and pure and lovely. This has upset one member of their group, Cookie, who practices voodoo. And I think I've spoken in a previous review how iffy I find it that the voodoo practitioner is being cast as a person doing dark magic. Like, that's not necessarily dark magic. It's just not the kind of harm none, complete pacifist magic that the others are practicing. Um, so, so that annoyed me a little bit. But th there's some sort of tense feelings between her and Katie because she's worried that Katie's going to start judging her and and things of that nature. Katie herself is trying to run from her destiny as a light witch. She doesn't want to think about how it's her responsibility to bring people to justice. She doesn't really want to be involved in the murder. We also get to see Katie's mum, which is great. I, I really enjoyed her appearing in Savannah, Georgia. I have to do that accent at least one once in these reviews because otherwise it will just creep out of me at some other time. But she has an argument with her mum that her, her mum doesn't want to talk to her about magic and why and how she feels that she's been kind of lied to. And then her mum turns up and is like, I want to be part of this. I want to find out what's going on. I want to explain my side to you. And there are some really nice moments between Katie and her mum sort of working through this thing that's been kind of pending since book one. Something I did find quite funny is how in previous books I criticised the, the, the novels for showing her feeding her dog stuff that shouldn't be fed to a dog like spicy sausage gumbo and frosting and various other things in this book if anything she feeds her dog like way more stuff like he gets lasagna at one point with a little salad I, I feel like she's giving him cookies and frosting as well but she says at one point that oh it doesn't seem to affect him because I guess he's a familiar and a magic animal I feel like this woman got letters after the second book came out where people were like, stop feeding your dog raisins. Um, so she just says like, oh, he's a magical animal, so I guess we can get away with it, which I feel like fine. Although there are people out there who have pets they consider to be their familiars. So please don't feed your familiars chocolate because I can assure you it's still poison. Like no animal is, is more magic than poison. So please don't do that. Uh, but it did kind of tickle me that she felt the need to throw that in as an explanation. One of the really good moments we get towards the end of the book is we see Declan kind of realising what all this witch shit is about. So one of the suspects who isn't actually the killer breaks in to Katie's house looking for something. He confronts Declan with a knife and is going to stab him. And then Katie uses her voice with a capital V, which is basically... Uh, Jedi mind powers she can just make people do whatever she wants with it and she tells them to stop and they just freeze in place both of them like Declan and the assailant her mum runs over and is like oh my god they're not breathing their hearts have stopped because Katie has been a little bit too emphatic with her magic on this one occasion so she manages to get them started again and that's fine there isn't really any sense of like danger in that scene because it takes like half a page for her to be like oh shit start and then they're fine but Declan realises that previously when he accepted that she was a witch, he kind of thought that she is what she and the rest of the spellbook group present themselves as, namely Wiccans. 
and practitioners of like a nature-based religion, but not people who can stop your heart just by telling you. So she has to kind of go through that with him and explain a little bit better what is going on. And he does accept it in the end. There isn't really much danger of him not doing that. I was kind of worried that there was going to be one of those like, oh, I need some time. And then she'd move on to Steve. And then this whole thing would get like dragged out for a couple more books. But it seems like she and Declan are okay again by the end of the novel. Steve is still like, annoyingly present. He keeps worming his way back in, popping up, acting like, oh, well, I just want to be your friend, which is code for I want to hang around till you decide to fuck me. Katie's uncle, Ben, not the Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, not the Uncle Ben from The Rice. Uh, he seems to have Steve's number. He likes Declan a lot because they used to work together as firemen. And so he's he's very team Declan, and I appreciate Ben for exactly that reason. But by the end of the novel, Katie's mum has found out that Steve is a druid, and also that Steve was a, a previous love interest for her daughter, which to any right-thinking woman would be a cause for concern. But I think she's going to land on the camp of you should be with a magic practitioner because she is also married to a magic practitioner. So she's going to be very Team Steve. And I feel like there's going to be some push and pull on either side of Katie in coming novels. To edge into spoiler territory, and by that I mean to give away massive elements of the plot. So stop listening now if you plan on reading this book. Here we go. The actual cause and reasoning behind the murders ends up not being to do with the maroon bats at all and is actually to do with a tree that's growing in the middle of the swamp which seems to be on a set of ley lines and therefore an incredibly magical object in its own right which katie senses right off the bat but everyone else kind of feels you know a slight flutter of oh there might be something there but she feels magnetized to this tree it's like pulling her towards it it's very much something that she is picking up on way more strongly than everyone else so that's sort of the thing that tipped me off to the fact that it wasn't about the bats at all. One, the guy they arrest and say, hey, we've caught the murderer, has no connection to the swamp or the bats at all, just to the, the murdered woman. Um, so I was like, well, it can't be him, because why would he be doing any of this <laughs> if that was the case? Because he's not just meant to have attacked his ex-girlfriend slash ex-wife. No, ex-girlfriend. Um, he's meant to have attacked other members of the coven as well. So it's like, well, why would he keep attacking people? It's got to be something to do with someone who's connected to the bats. And it's not going to be Steve or his family or anyone connected with them because we found out in the previous book that they're pretty good people, even if they're not, strictly speaking, the nicest. Um, so basically, really put the finger on the one guy who said he'd seen the bats. Like, this was the one guy who said that there were bats there before anyone else and who didn't seem to want to leave the swamp um to go back to his like academic career he was there studying snakes or something um so i fingered him as the killer like just slightly before he was revealed to be the murderer and then we got into sort of the climax of the book but i found the climax of the book to be very interesting because it, it's this sort of magical battle that takes place around this super magic tree but also, this tree is shown to have affected things in the environment. So it hasn't just driven this guy mad with power because he's been living, like, on top of it for ages, soaking up all that magic and having it get, like, twisted in his brain. Um, it's also affected things in the swamp, like a two-headed snake, almost as if this tree is, like, producing radiation. 
Um, and I found that an incredibly interesting concept. And as this is a, like a local tree um, that is still there at the end of the book, I'm hoping we see maybe something else to do with this later, because it was a, an interesting thing to have brought up. I also liked uh, some of the touches at the end of the book, for instance, that the evil guy has a staff made from the tree, which he's using to like funnel his power through. And then, and big spoilers coming up, Katie and Cookie have to join forces to separate him from the staff and also from the tree's power. She puts all her light into it and she feels Cookie helping her as well and, and using her magic as well. It's still referred to as dark magic, which I don't think it should be because really that's all about intent. It's not about which style of magic you practice. Like I've met plenty of horrible Wiccans. I wouldn't exactly call them light workers. Uh, but there you go, I'll tell you what I can get. They join forces to sever this guy's tie to the tree, and this renders him catatonic because he, it's had such a grip, but he's basically fused with it through misusing this power so much. And uh, Katie kind of thinks about this at the end, like she sort of thinks, oh no, this, this poor guy that this has happened to. But then she doesn't do that classic goody two-shoes protagonist thing of going, I would never forgive myself for this. I'm going to swear off practicing magic. I'm going to break up with my boyfriend and cause several books of pointless drama. She just thinks to herself, if that is the cost of protecting my friends, my family, I would do it again, which I felt was much more realistic. And I really enjoyed that. And despite the fact that Katie has been branded, branded as this like light witch, the chosen one, the justice bringer, she does still feel like a nuanced character. And that's something I'm really enjoying, really appreciating the writer for, because it would have been easy to go very um, sparkly, goody two-shoes, bewitched witch type thing and not have this level of her saying, well, actually, if I have to magically erase some man's brain to save everybody, then that's what I'm going to do, light witch or no light witch. Uh, and the fact that she's able to do it as well implies that that wasn't dark magic and has her seeing in more shades of grey. Having said all that, I did enjoy this book quite a lot. I'm not in like a huge rush to get into the next one in the series, which I think is called Some Enchanted Eclair. I am loving the titles. They are great. Um, again, these are sort of like £5 each. And also I'm trying to get through all of the books that I already have because we're planning on moving at some point early next year. And I have literally three shelves of books that I've been collecting for the podcast that I haven't read yet. And I can't really keep buying new ones and not getting to them. So I'm going to try and, you know, get into books that I haven't read, that I said I was going to read, that you might have seen me share when I bought them, but haven't read. So that's what I'm getting into. But I will eventually look up another copy of this because I'm enjoying this series. I'm enjoying the character. It feels like sinking back into something very cosy and familiar and for whatever reason the food stuff in this book didn't bother me so much. I think that may be because this book was shorter than the previous one. Like the last one felt very drawn out and the food stuff was just getting in the way. Whereas in this, it's in the appropriate realm. It mainly takes place within the cafe that they're talking about food, which is fine because that's where that talk belongs. It doesn't belong out on the investigations. So very much enjoyed that. I feel like the series has moved in a great direction and I'm looking forward to the next one. 
I hope you've enjoyed this review. If you'd like to recommend me reading any book or watching a film or anything that you'd like to recommend, do get in touch in the comment section on YouTube. I might not buy and watch it straight away or read it straight away because of how many books I've got to go through, but if I already have it, I'll move it to the top of the pile and I will keep a record and get to it when I get to it if I don't really fancy reading anything that I've currently got. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!